0: the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast, season four, episode one. Did you catch that? I said season four. I'm so, so, so excited to be doing this for the fourth time. And that's all thanks to y'all. So thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting me and encouraging me and listening to our awesome guests just school us on some great, great topics and really hard topics and important topics. And this season is going to be no different. But to start us off, I have Kara K. James. Now, if you haven't heard of Kara Kay, she's a writer and encourager passionate about seeing women's lives changed and impact through the gospel. She's the founder and executive director of Thrive Moms, a ministry dedicated to seeing moms step out of survival mode and into the thriving, abundant life that God calls them to. She's also the author of the book Mom Up Thriving with Grace in the Chaos of Motherhood. She's married to her husband, Brooke, and she's a mom to four one of whom is adopted. She works daily to encourage women to reach their potential as moms and as daughters of Christ. And she's passionate about pouring into moms because she knows firsthand how many moms are struggling and in desperate need of a reminder that God loves us and that we are doing His holy work. So she just launched like January 1st, her book, Mom Up. And so I was so excited to talk to her about this book. And here's the reason why. You know, on this podcast, it was started because... I just, I saw so many mom resources out there that just didn't apply to me and didn't apply to any adoptive mom, really. I mean, we could pull bits and pieces from it and we could try to, you know, make our lives fit into it, but it just doesn't work. And so I love that an adoptive mom is putting out uh, just mom encouragement, mom stuff that applies to us too. This book is for us and you should read it. And it's so great. Okay, you guys, and one last thing. I want to remind y'all to rate and review the podcast. So with new guests, they're going to bring on new listeners, and it's really important that they have a place to look to see reviews and ratings for the podcast, and that comes from you guys. So I would really, really appreciate it if you would just take a minute, tap that link, and tell everyone how much you like the podcast and why, so it'll be recommended to new people with the new season. I would really, really appreciate it. With all of that said, I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Kara K James. Okay, you guys, I am so psyched for my guest today, and I'll tell you why, because I bought her book. I'm sorry, I asked her to be on the podcast before I bought her book, and then I started by I started reading her book and was like, I need to be this girl's friend immediately. <laughs> so on that note, welcome to the podcast, Kara K James. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. So um, tell us, just take a second and tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, so like you said, my name's Kara K. James. I am a mom of four kiddos. I'm um, a pastor's wife, and we live in Texas. And I am a writer, and I oversee an organization called Thrive Moms, and that's pretty much what
0: I do. So Awesome. And, yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah. and you have four kids, right? Yes. What are their, what's the rundown there?
1: So, well, we're about to have birthday season. All of our kids have birthdays within a, a few oh weeks of gosh. each other. So <laughs> soon we'll have, um, uh, we go for about a month that our girls are all back to back ages. So we'll have six, seven and eight. Um, and then our oldest will turn nine in March. And then our youngest is, um, turns three in a few weeks, so.
0: I don't think I realized he was that young. Is he, like, really tall? He just seems... Very tall. Yeah, he seems bigger than that in photos.
1: Yes, and then our six-year-old is, is, she's tiny, so they're almost the same size. They're three years apart, and they are almost the same size, which is crazy, so people look at them, and they're like, wait a second, how old is he? How old is she? (laughs) So... Yes. We get that a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, but, uh, speaking of which, so three of your children look like you and one does not at all. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) So tell us about that.
1: So our three, we have three girls that were, um, that are, our stair steps. They were, they're biological. They were born all within a year of each other. Um, so we had three under three and then we decided we wanted to adopt. And so, um we adopted and we actually went into our adoption process thinking, oh, we'll have a girl because we have three girls. So we know how to do this girl thing. And <laughs> God kind of surprised us and said, nope, I have a boy for you. And it's been the greatest blessing for us. And he's absolutely amazing. And we're crazy about him. So we have this little boy that has completely changed our lives. So.
0: That's so awesome. He's wonderful. What are some of the differences you've noticed between having boys or having girls and having a boy? Oh man, <laughs>
1: boys are <laughs> crazy. I always hear that, that, you know, boys are so different. Boys are just all boy. And what always amazed me is that our girls, we didn't have to teach them like that to be girly. They would just, you know, pick up any bag was a purse. Anything was makeup. And, and I always thought, Oh, well they just watch me, but no, like, Kendrick, our son, he is like, we always say he's like 300% boy, everything. He is constantly in like superhero mode and everything is about a car or a truck. And he is just obsessed with all things boy. And he doesn't even like anything girl is not even on his radar, which is funny because he has three older sisters that he's watching all the time. And so he doesn't learn any of the girl stuff from them and doesn't even care anything about that. So it's so amazing to me, like the way that they're just,
0: they just automatically know how to be a boy and how to be a girl. And yes, See, for me, it's the opposite. I have three boys and then Uh our youngest is a girl and the boys are just, they're like just rough and tumble and they're, they're loud. I mean, no, my daughter is very loud, but they're just (laughs) in a different way. Yes. She's like shrill. But yeah, I mean, she came out like unicorns, rainbows, butterflies, girly girl. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, how did this happen? You have three older brothers and she's just like, and she owns all of them. So, Uh oh yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that your little boy has everyone wrapped. Uh-huh. Yeah, Mm-mm. yep. Everybody's wrapped around his finger, and yep. he's, he knows it, and he's proud of that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I have a little boy in that age group too, and it's oh my gosh, the like terrible people. I feel like you're either camp terrible twos or camp three nager, but I'm like they're uh-huh. they both suck. Like they're both yes. awful. <laughs> <laughs> yes they both have
1: their major challenges
0: so yes. but they're set like
1: i i always say that i mean it's so hard having a toddler but it is so hysterical having a toddler like i wouldn't change i wouldn't change it for anything and i'm so glad i get to experience this stage even though he drives me absolutely insane with you know the temper tantrums and you know just the just being so stubborn and, but just the things that come out of their mouths and the things that they do is so funny and it just makes it so worth it at this stage. Yes.
0: No, I agree. It's hilarious. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I want to get into your book and Thrive Moms and all of this cool sure. stuff, but first I want to hear all about your adoption story. And I sure. I've read it in your book, but for those mm-hmm. listeners who have not read it, I it's really cool. So I just want you to share with everyone like why you guys decided to do this and then how you got there.
1: Sure. Um. So I always knew that I wanted to adopt, and I didn't even share this kind of the backstory to our adoption. So I'll kind of give you the little inside, um. Scoop there, so oh. I always wanted to adopt, and my husband was real like I don't know. He didn't really know much about adoption. That seemed really scary to him, and just the whole idea to him was he he was worried about all of that, and just didn't know. He didn't have much information, and he was afraid. Like, but what if they? What if I get attached and they take the baby away? And what if you know all the what ifs and. Um, He was so concerned about those things, and and I told him, you know what, we're not, we don't have to do anything until you're ready. And we um we had our first baby. She was kind of a surprise, wonderful surprise baby. So we had her when she was three weeks old. We were my husband's a pastor, and we were at a church leadership conference. And, and we're sitting at this conference, both of us together, and we have our three week old baby with us, you know, cause when they're that little, you just kind of tote them everywhere. Right. And sh- so we're at this conference, we're exhausted and someone gets up and they are talking about adoption and they're talking about the orphan crisis in our world and in our nation. And they're just breaking this whole thing down. And, and he just looks at me and he's like, that's what we're supposed to do. And I was like, I know. <laughs> I knew it all along. I just needed you to know it. And so when we had this three-week-old baby, my husband's like, all right, so we're supposed to adopt. And I was like, uh, right now? <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And so we started like looking into international adoption at that point because we thought, we realized, okay, this is going to be a really long process. So we started doing all the research and um, we assumed we would do like an international adoption And so we started doing paperwork and all those things and, um, ended up getting pregnant again and again. And so, you know, like I said, we had three babies in less than three years. So life kept happening and we had some job changes. We moved across the country, things kept happening. And so we kept, we were like, okay, we know we're supposed to do this, but nothing is happening the way we thought it would. And so Six years later, when our three-week-old baby was now six years old in kindergarten, <laughs> we finally brought our baby home from um, the hospital. And so we, through that whole process and all the years we, of researching and, you know, talking to people, we ended up deciding to do a domestic adoption. And um, so we, we adopted our son. And he was a newborn baby, and so we got to meet his birth family in the hospital, which was a wonderful, just heartbreaking experience. And um, and then we got to bring him home when he was three days old from the hospital. And so he's been with us ever since. Um, and it's it's been the most amazing and challenging and wonderful thing of our lives. And I wouldn't change it for anything. And. Um, so, I mean, it definitely wasn't the way that we thought it would look um, when we set out and, you know, almost 10 years ago and said, "Okay, we're going to adopt. And then it took us six years and then, you know, took another year and a half to actually bring a baby home. And so it was a long, long process. And all that time now we're to the point that we realize and know we were waiting for that specific child Mm because I cannot imagine any other child in our family but our son and I know any every other adoptive parent understands that and and my husband always says that like can you imagine can you imagine any other child like he is our son he is the child that was supposed to come home to us and all those years of waiting and waiting the timing just was ended up being so perfect and it was so God ordained because we were waiting for that baby and we're so thankful that we did.
0: Yeah. So is it an open adoption or a closed adoption? Um, basically a closed adoption. Gotcha. Okay. I wasn't sure. Cause I know that in Arkansas, and um, that's where I live. So Northwest Arkansas, uh-huh. um, They don't do open adoptions, so you that's Mm -hmm. like up to the individual attorneys if you want to have an adoption agreement. And so, I wasn't sure if in Texas you could even that was even an option. Um, Yeah, it is. Gotcha. Well, I know that open. I mean, there is just so many layers there. So now you have you know an adoptive family, and you have a multiracial family, Mm -hmm. and you have you know that your eyes open to like birth mom issues and like the brokenness that has to come first from it. So, I mean, you have all of these things that have influenced your, um, your platform. Right. And um, to my knowledge, thrive moms existed before Kendrick, right? Yes. So how has that changed how you have, um, how you have run thrive moms?
1: I see, I see it differently because I see motherhood so much differently. Um, I see, the way I parent so much differently um, because now I I see race so much differently because Kendrick um, is not the same race as me. And I've learned, you know, that I have to be sensitive to that and I have to educate myself and I have to learn what it means to um, raise this little boy to be, you know, I want to raise him to be a strong, confident black man someday. And that's hard, you know, sometimes as white parents and it's a challenge and it's a challenge that we take on. And we, my husband and I are very, um, we, we educate ourselves and my husband has read about 500 books, uh, on what that looks like. And, um, you know, so we're, we, we're doing, doing the work on our end and we have so much more work to do because, it's not something that's, you know, an overnight thing that we're going to just go, okay, we know everything. Now we can raise him up. Right. You know, there's so many things that we have to do. And it's helped me to understand there's so many, like you said, there's so many more layers to what it means to be a parent and what it means to be a birth, be a birth family or a birth mother. And so, um, I have, I've learned to be so much more sensitive to, different situations and different people of where they may be in, you know, the, their, their backstories or what um, circumstances they may have walked through. So it really has opened my eyes to so many different circumstances and, um, people.
0: Yeah. Well, and I should have asked this before I asked that question, but just tell us a little bit about Thrive Moms. Um, what is that and how does it work? I know that it's, it's like a chapter type situation, right?
1: So Thrive Moms, we started Thrive Moms about uh, almost six years ago and wanted it just to be a place that moms could be encouraged and empowered as moms. Um, I started it with my friend Natalie and we we were seeing some, so many moms just hurting and we thought, okay, we're, we were both really struggling at the time and we were like, okay, we feel led to encourage moms. How can we do that? Well, moms are on the internet and that was how we met. I met her on Twitter. And so we thought, how can we, how can we do something to encourage moms? Cause there were so many things online that were just, just these like negative messages towards moms or just fake messages of like, you know, not, not truly the gospel message. And mm-hmm. we wanted to put, the true gospel message in front of moms and help moms see that God's word is for them too. And that they had the calling on them is so, so important. Um, and so that was why we started Thrive Moms. just really to encourage women to walk in abundant life as moms. And, and so we started this ministry and now we, you know, we do Bible studies for moms and, Um, we have local chapters. We provide a lot of community type of resources so that women can start groups on their own in their local communities. And, and we just provide a lot of resources and tools to help moms thrive in motherhood. And so that's what, that's what Thrive Moms is all about. And it's really just encouraging women to step out of survival mode and Just not getting lost in the mundane every day where you just feel so bogged down and overwhelmed with everything that motherhood is and finding joy in it and um, being able to find your people and, and, and thrive alongside what your community is and, um, and really enjoying it again.
0: Yeah, and I feel like um I feel like I have this other knowledge that probably listeners don't have because I've read your book and I mm-hmm. you know you go into such detail about it and of course I want to take this moment to tell everyone listening stop what you're doing and go go get this book because we're about <laughs> to talk about it and you you're going to yeah, but anyway I I think that first of all I want to say that one of the biggest things that I struggle with as an adoptive mom is that there's a lot of times when I read books or I listen to a you know a podcast or something like that and I have this feeling like this isn't really for me um because this is from a neurotypical family this is from normal moms they can do normal mom things but I have trauma in my home I have you know, all these other things. And so this doesn't apply to me. And so there's a, there's a sadness, you know, I'll still read the books, but Mm -hmm. there's a sadness that goes with it. Like, yeah, but I have to put on my like adoptive mom lens. And so when I picked up your book, I was, I, I mean, I'm just like soaking in your words because I'm like, this girl gets it. Like you are an adoptive mom. You understand the issues that come with that. And you still wrote a book just geared toward moms in general. So coming from that place of adoption, but you still had your, you know, I love that you talk about mental health issues and all of those things when you're setting up for your, uh, the rest of your book. So how did, um, I don't know, how did, how did your motherhood change when you adopted? I know that we've already talked a little bit about just your outlook on, you know, racial issues and stuff like that, but how did that influence the way that like that you wrote your book and that you said, you know, not all motherhood can look the same.
1: Yeah. Um and I shared about this in my book um I, the chapter that I shared the story about adopting Kendrick um, I talked about how our kids were never ours to begin with mm-hmm. and I I used to have this really tight grip on my my girls and I thought and I'm a kind of a control freak and I'm I'm super type A and I want everything in order and so I always kind of approach motherhood in that way too. Like, okay, I can have my girls in order. I can have them do the certain things I want them to do. I can have them look the way I want them to look. And that is what makes me a good mom. And, and then we adopted Kendrick and I realized, oh man, like this child is not built like me is not, does not have my DNA. You know, there's so many different things. There's so much trauma and hurt that comes from this, and I realized in that that this this child and these other children that I'm trying to shape into this perfect thing, none of these are mine. These are a gift from the Lord that I am just here to you, I am a tool that God is using to grow them. I am not here to help them stand in line and obey and be perfect. I am just a tool to lead them back to him. And that was, I think the biggest takeaway for me as I adopted him because God said, Hey, hello, remember me? I'm the one that created them and gave them to you. You didn't do anything here. You know, like I don't care that you grew them in your body. I still made your body. I still made them inside of your body. I don't care that you filled out all the paperwork to bring your son home, I still created him inside of his birth mother and made him perfectly the way that he is. And so it was such a learning experience for me to just to know and understand that they were never mine. They are not mine to, you know, force them to be a certain way or try to fit them into the mold that I want them to be. And that's never going to work, work out well for me or for them. And so I just (laughs) have to, help lead them back to him every day. And that's when they're really going to turn into the, the great little humans that he created them to be.
0: Yeah. And I, I, um... I wanted to touch on that because I love that you talked so much in there about just keeping your eyes on the Lord as you're parenting. And I think that for, cause I'm, I'm totally a type A person as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your Enneagram is. Mine is one wing two, So it's like, <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, I'm a one nine. So, yep, yep. Yep. And so I want everything to be perfect. I want everything to be systematized. And when it's not, then it all falls apart. And yeah. I think in my mind, keeping my eyes on Jesus, just sometimes it feels like another box to check. And mm-hmm. I love that in your book, you talk about how everything else just kind of falls into place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that that's a new concept, but as I'm reading it, it's like breathing life into me. Cause I was, yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, like you just forget that as a perfectionistic person, mm-hmm. you're like, Okay, uh, I looked toward Jesus. Check. Uh, check I got the yeah. boxes, you know, I got the lunch boxes packed. Check. And you're just yeah. looking and it's like it, it's easy to overlook and it, it stops becoming, it stops being a lifestyle at that point. So mm-hmm. what was your journey to get to that understanding?
1: Um, It's an everyday journey. <laughs> it's not like, oh, I have arrived, I'm here. It's an everyday thing, because I, I literally still struggle with that every day. I was just, just before we sat down, I was sitting, you know, it's, uh, it's a Monday, I'm okay, I'm in check, checklist mode so i'm like okay working on my checklist oh i haven't sat and done my bible study yet i need to check that off my list no that doesn't need to be a check on my list and and so that's so hard for me still and i've had to train myself to make it more of a um part of my rhythm and part of my my mindset just to continue to focus back on him when i'm feeling frustrated to focus my thoughts back on back on the lord and who he says I am instead of who I'm thinking that I am or who the world says that I am. And, and even getting lost in like, um, I've learned a lot as I've learned about the Enneagram and like learning who I am. I feel, I I feel more comfortable and confident in who I am because, okay, it's nice sometimes to know that there's other people that are like me. It's always nice to meet another one because it's like, you feel the same way as you me, get you it. struggle with me, you get me like, it's always really nice, because sometimes I feel a little lost. And I am the only person that struggles with these things. But I also can't get just complacent in that and say, Okay, well, it, it, it's okay. I'm just this way. So I'm just going to be this way, I still have to make sure that I am focusing and um, always placing my my thoughts and on him before I'm saying, well, I'm just a perfectionist, so it's cool. It's fine that I'm getting stressed out. That's because that's my personality. What are, you know, what are my motivations for why I'm stressed out? You know, I don't think that that's necessarily always a healthy thing for us to just live in stress mode. Um, And so if we are continuing to focus on living just in this mindset of being healthy and, Keeping our mind renewed and refreshed in Him, and and it doesn't have to look like a check a check mark. Because if we are continuing every day in every moment to live in that renewed um, sense of staying connected to Him, there's no there's no box for that because it's an ongoing thing. And so there's nothing for us to check. And so that should be so refreshing for us to know that we don't need to check a box because this is like an ongoing box that it is a never-ending thing that we can't ever check.
0: All right, guys, sorry to interrupt. I hope you are really loving my interview with Kara K. James, but I had a couple of things I wanted to remind you guys about. So first of all, I want to make sure you're on my email list. I send out an email every Monday morning. It has the link to the new episode. It has a little bit of information. It has different links to listen, and it has a little note for me and some photos and links and resources that are applicable for that week. So it's a really great resource. And a lot of times I give stuff away. I'm just saying. So go to com slash email and sign up. Also, this season, I am bringing with me a an Adoptive Mom Facebook group. So it's been up and running for a little bit. And if you're a part of that, I'm so, so excited and appreciative of you for participating and uh, joining in other women who are listeners of the show and who just need encouragement and support from each other. But we have a lot of great conversations on there. And we have lots of moderators, not just me, that bring you guys different, you know, themed days and different topics. We share prayer requests and wins for the week and all different kinds of stuff. So go to Facebook. You can find the link in the theadoptivemompodcast.com, the show notes, but you can go to Facebook and go to the Adoptive Mom page and you should be able to find the group there as well. I would love to have you as a part of that. Okay, let's get back to Kara Kay. At least, you know, like, like you said, it's still a journey and I feel like I'm not even close, but (laughs) I think I realized the importance of it whenever I adopted, because there's nothing to remind you that you have zero control over anything like adoption, because I mean, even just like filling out the paperwork, you're like, they're not moving at the pace that I would prefer for them to move. It's
1: not happening the way I planned. (laughs) Right.
0: And then, you know, I mean, for us, this might not be your story, but we got a kid uh, we adopted a teenager. So mm-hmm. he was 14 when he moved in with us. And none of his diagnoses were accurate. And there were mm-hmm. there was a lot more to the story than anyone had known. And he had like stuffed that deep inside of him for like three mm-hmm. plus years. And then it all came out. And I was like, what is happening? Who has moved in here? What have we done? And it yeah. was a long journey of like, God, where even are you in this? You know, you brought right. us to adoption and now I just feel like you're gone and I feel right. like I'm just lost and like trying to put the pieces back together. And so I think that, that that was such a humbling experience to to be reminded in such a real way, like you literally have no control here. You have mm-hmm. to just fall on your knees. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, you've, you've been talking and I wanted to touch on this. I actually wrote it down because I wanted to make sure that I talked about this, these false messages. So I feel like in um, a lot of, I, I want to say secular motherhood, but that sounds really judgy. But <laughs> <laughs> I just mean a lot of the, the, you know, the funny articles that you see, yes. They they are telling you like, yes, life sucks right now, but soon they'll move out and it'll be fine. Right. And mm-hmm. I love that you talk about that over and over and over again in your mm-hmm. book, just about thriving in motherhood now. But also mm-hmm. that some of these some of these false messages are meant to, meant to give us grace, but they don't. And that even goes to the name of your book, which I'll talk about in a second. But um, I love that you're like, you know what, it's not okay to just be stressed all the time. And I feel like that's what the world tells us. They say like, this is just life, accept it and make it funny and laugh about it or something like that. But you're saying, no, that's not okay. So how did you realize that? And um, how did you, I don't know, formulate that into a platform? So this
1: was a hard chapter. I wrote a chapter specifically about this. I wrote a chapter specifically about this and it was hard for me to write because I thought, man, people aren't going to like this and I want people to like me. Um, but I thought as I was reading and studying the Bible and I'm looking at you know, the messages that moms are reading and I realize, okay, the things that we're saying to moms is not matching up with what God's word is saying. So there's something off here. And if God's word is for everyone, which I think we can agree that it is, um, it's not just for our pastors or for our, you know, the big wig ministry leader people. It's for all of us. It's for those of us that are like literally crying over the kitchen sink because our seven-year-old just told us that they hate us, Mm -hmm. which happened to me this weekend. Um it's for all of us. And it it should be used as a tool for all of us. And so if we're using these messages from the world of, well, it's okay to not be okay. You know, just, you know, suck it up. Life's just supposed to be hard. Motherhood is just it just sucks. And you just get by until your kids are grown and then you get back to your life. You know, if we live in that mindset then we miss so much. And yeah, we have those moments where motherhood is just awful. We cry over the sink and it's hard. And, and yeah, we want to miss those moments, but then we also miss the moments that are so incredibly wonderful. And, um, and so I wanted to approach it in a, what does the Bible say about who we are? Because, God's not speaking to just one select group of people and ignoring us. He's speaking to us, the moms, the women that are raising the next generation of people, because it's our job to tell these little people who they are too. And if we are, if we're listening to those messages and we're taking on those mindsets, then even if we're not saying that to our kids, we are living that out and showing that to our kids that it's fine. We're just getting by every day. It's, it's okay to you know not be okay but sure maybe it's okay to struggle through a season and not be okay for a season if you will but jesus never leaves us in the not okay he always will carry us through and he will always you know rescue us out of that not okay and take us to the next um season and so i really just wanted to encourage women in that that these worldly messages that we hear are, are not for us. And they're not, they're not biblical. They're not the best thing for us that even when sometimes the Bible is hard for us to, to hear and to understand that the message is for us, it's for us too. And we can get so much from it if we will just sit and listen and, and lean into it. Mm.
0: Yes, girl. Yes, like it's, (laughs) but it's so good. And you found the in between. And I think that that's so, so, so hard because you feel like it's either got to be you know, everything, you're just making it, you're just getting by, it's okay Mm -hmm. to not be okay, you know, false grace, false grace, or you're like, you need to get it together and have a craft prepared for every day. And you need to always have everyone dressed perfectly. And it's like, it's so hard, because that's where my brain goes. It's all or nothing. It's like, I feel like if my kids are not out of their pajamas, then I'm just this like, loosey goosey mom, all of a sudden, who's let it all go. And, I love that you that you have such a um, a positive voice, I think, when you write that it doesn't come across as uh, shaming or judging or whatever. And that even brings us to the name of your book, which is Mom Up. Mm-hmm. But I love that um, because it's a play on man up, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about that. Um, so it was a play on man up. And I always thought it was funny. Like, I always thought the turn, you know, the thing man up was funny because it's like, OK, men are always told like man up be who you're supposed to be. Like, but, but then women, we're like, Oh, you're fine. You're supposed to live in your yoga pants. And you're supposed, as I say that, as I'm sitting here in my yoga pants today, um, and I don't plan on doing yoga today, but (laughs) you know, it's like, we're supposed to like, just be like, blah. That's just what we are. What's expected from us as moms. And so I thought, well, what if women are given that same challenge? What if we are challenged to be what we are meant to be like mom up and be what you're, what you were built to be, be what you were made for and not in a negative way of like, come on, get up and do it. Like get your kids dressed and, you know, put your, you know, high heels on. Cause that's not, nobody wants to do that. At least I don't. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, just that—that that calling and that encouragement to be what we were called to be, and that we were made—we were made for so much more than what the world tells us that we are as moms, and and um, and that we can—we really can thrive in the absolute chaos of, of motherhood. So
0: yes, and that's one of your one of your four pillars, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you hear the term "man up," that that I feel like it implies that. Manning up is a good thing that being a man yeah. is a positive thing. And I think that so yeah. many of us feel like because, you know, if we're, especially for a stay at home mom or just any part of motherhood, even if you're a working mom, the mom part of it is not like compensated with and money. Negative. And so yeah. you feel like it's not important or it has to take a back seat. And I love that right. you place so much importance. You're like, it's quite possibly the most important thing you will ever do. And as adoptive moms, we know that too, that we are, yeah. we're, we're taking what God has given us and, and we're also taking on this extra calling, which mm-hmm. makes it harder, but we're up to the challenge. And that even if that right. makes us actually crazy, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're still yeah. going to uh, mom up and do it. it. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of actually crazy, can I just say yeah. that I love, 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 love the chapter where you went in depth about like your struggles with anxiety, and I love how open and honest you were. It was life giving. Like as an adoptive oh, mom, so glad. yes, but as an adoptive mom, reading it, I I feel like I'm a pretty honest person. I mean, I have a podcast and I've shared a lot of really uh-huh. <laughs> deep stuff on here. I'm definitely uh pretty open, but. I love reading other people who are as well, where you're like, yeah, I threw a sippy cup against the wall because I'm guilty, like so guilty. And people just don't talk about stuff like that. So like, I I don't know what led you to did you just feel like someone needs to hear this or are you like me where you just can't hold it in?
1: No, it was really hard for me to share it. And there was some stuff in the book that I hadn't even shared with my husband, Mm. some things that I had dealt with that I hadn't even shared with him. And I had to sit him down and say, I need you to read this before I turned it into my editor. And he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And and so I was like, I need you to know this. I need you to know that I struggled with this, even though I was pretty open with him, like during my struggles with postpartum anxiety and depression and all of that. And there were still things that I was, I held in so tightly that I was worried about talking about and. And that all happened, gosh, it's been six years now since I walked through that. And I have talked to so many women since that who have, who are walking through, you know, some kind of anxiety or depression and walking through these things with them. When I share with them openly about the things that I struggle with um, and just seeing them that look on their faces of, I'm, I'm not the only one, like just this like look of, Oh my goodness, I'm not completely insane. It is just amazing to me because in the moment when it was me, I felt completely alone. I felt like I was the only person in the world that had ever felt this way. And, and so for me to be as open and vulnerable as I was, it was my hope and prayer that Another mom reading it would say, oh, my goodness, I'm not the only one that feels like this. And while it's really scary for me to <laughs> to share my story so openly because I was like, oh, man, my mom's going to read this. And, <laughs> you know, like, you know, what are people going to think of me? Uh, you know, there's always those like worries. But it's more of I hope that this impacts and changes some women's lives and just hope I hope that it helps them know that whatever they're struggling with that they can walk through it and they can get through it because hopefully it's just for a season for them. And no matter what that season may look like, it may be 10 years. It may be, you know, 10 days, whatever that season looks like for them that God's with them every step of the way. And he will take them through that. And they're not alone because I never dreamed I would be the one that would struggle with something like that. I never struggled with any kind of anxiety or worry. I always looked at people who worried and I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, why do you worry about things? And and then when I walked through it myself, I was like, oh, I get it. I get it now. It makes more sense. And so it's really just my hope that some somebody else can read it and say, okay, I don't feel so alone now.
0: Yes, and I know that you you said that you're, I think it's your oldest daughter, right? That she has a lot of the same tendencies as you. And I mm-hmm. have my older one. Well, the teen is kind of a like separate uh-huh. thing. And then we have the three yeah. littles. Um, and at my oldest, he's like a carbon copy of me. Yeah. And, um, and I see that in him. I see the worry and I see the, the, the stress. And I think to myself, like, I, I don't want to pass these things on. Um, I certainly, I mean, I take anxiety medication, but I don't want him to have to do that. And it's just it's so hard. So how are you? How do you parent her differently? Just knowing what you've been through? Are you honest with her? Or?
1: Yeah, I am. So she is, my oldest is she's in third grade this year. And in third grade in Texas, they do lots of state testing, which I don't know if that's like a normal thing in most states. But so there's a big focus on like state testing. And so she is, which I was always a really bad test taker. And, and so I would always like study, 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 study so hard because I struggled to take tests. And I don't know if it was like I had test anxiety that I would sit down and, you know, look at the test and be like, I I forgot everything I know. (laughs) But she, you know, so I see some of those things in her that she she'll second guess herself a lot. And, you know, those, just those like kind of things that I see in her, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. And so I'm just really like, I'm really honest with her. Hey, I know exactly how you feel. This is what I struggled with when I was your age. And this is how I, you know, overcame that. And I've even seen her, like I've seen her kind of overcome some of those things. This past week, they had some like practice tests at school. And she came home and she's like, mom, I made a hundred on one of my tests. And it was just amazing to see her like struggle through some of those things, but then find some confidence. Cause that was really what I wanted was for her to find confidence in her work and not always second guess because she was so worried everything had to be perfect. And that's exactly how I am. I second guess, you know, all my work, I want it to be perfect. I need everything to look just right. And And I, you know, look sat down and worked with her on things. Hey, if you feel like that's the right answer, just leave it. And and she's like, I made a hundred. I didn't go back and change my answers afterwards. (laughs) It's like, that's awesome. You're doing so great. So, you know, it's like it's amazing that if we can share our experiences with our kids, you know, they they can feel, Oh, okay, well the same as us. Like they feel like they're not the only ones that are struggling with second guessing themselves or you know, struggling to just with those little things. So I, I hope that that helps her grow up to not always second guess herself when she's older, too. So we'll yes. see. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, and I feel like I mean, the, the the times that I get the most out of, you know, talking to my mom about motherhood are when she shares with me what she struggled with, because I don't feel like I'm insane or doing it wrong. And right. I'm able to be like, Oh, okay, you thought you were going to pull every strand of your hair out too that's not okay but it's hard you know with with someone that struggles with anxiety there's just this extra layer of um not handling the chaos well just because it's chaotic not just because it's loud which i don't handle noise well at all but also it's like if something's chaotic and the kitchen's a mess, I mean, I am like rocking in the corner. Yeah. And it's like I can't handle all those things going wrong. And I I don't know. I really like that your message was embracing the chaos and that it's OK mm-hmm. to look at this and like speak truth to yourself, because um, that's another big thing that I struggle with doing, because you feel a little crazy talking to yourself. But
1: that's so true. <laughs>
0: Uh, but it's really important. It's really important to say yeah. like, okay, let me look at this moment. The Why do I feel this way? It's okay to feel mm-hmm. this way. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm just so excited about your book. I'm so excited about all the things you had to say and that it comes from an adoptive mom because you're saying like, yes, I'm a you know, normal mom, but I'm also an adoptive mom and this this mm-hmm. book is for everyone, all all mm-hmm. types of moms, wherever you're at in motherhood and that your motherhood doesn't have to look the same as someone else's because we're all pointing toward jesus i don't know it again it's not that that's a new concept but it was just life-giving to read those words yeah. and know that like this is for me so yeah. thank you for reading for writing that book and oh of course <laughs> thanks for doing thrive moms um are you okay with us getting into some of these closing questions yeah sure awesome so what do you wish that someone had told you at the beginning of this journey your adoption journey excuse me
1: um I wish that someone had told me how hard it would be. Mm-hmm. I think I anticipated that it would all be like rainbows and unicorns and perfect. And I didn't realize the loss that came with it when we started. And I would still do it all over again. And I probably will do it again someday.
0: <laughs> yes, I talk about that a lot. Just saying that, you know, I think that people are like, yeah, adoption's hard, but you have your like, you know, normal people version of hard and you don't realize that Mm -hmm. it's like this completely from brokenness hard that you just have no way of understanding. And if somebody had tried to tell me that, I don't know that I would have even been able to like get my brain there, but it's true. Like I wish that someone had been like, this is hard in a way that you don't even know how to understand, but just trust me. But when you're
1: there, you'll, it it will click and you'll get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so different from everything that we go through just as like normal upbringing people. Um, Okay. So what is something you wish you had done differently? Oh man. Um,
1: I wish that I was able to have a better relationship with um, Kendrick's birth family. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's something I could do differently. um, And that's just something that I pray about a lot that maybe someday we can have, and um, we can reconnect and have a relationship with them, because I would love that for him,
0: yeah, that's a good one. it's it's hard to it's hard to learn how to hold the balance of like, you know, I'm his mother, and I'm the one that's mm-hmm. doing the Lord's work here, but then there's also this other piece of him, and how to how do mm-hmm. I honor that while also being honest yes. and it's 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 yes. tough it's hard, yep, yep. so okay, what is your favorite way that your tribe supported you through your adoption story? Oh, man. We had so much great support. Um, I
1: mean, our church supported us so well financially because we did a private adoption. And so, as you know, it's just outrageous. And so that was huge for us. But just the way that people celebrated with us um, and really came alongside us to support and be a part of Kendrick's life has been amazing. Um, The way that people just cheer him on and um, encourage him. And I I know that he will have that forever. And so I'm so grateful for that.
0: That's awesome. And, you know, the flip side of that question for me is always, what is the way that you felt misunderstood or not supported um, by those close to you?
1: Um, I think most people don't really understand the loss, like we talked about, that I didn't understand it. And so most people don't either. And that most people just assume you know, the birth family is bad or, you know, these, they assume all this negative and don't really see the, the humanity side of it. And um, I, I always try to shine such a good positive light on that side of adoption because there's such a huge loss and hurt that comes from um, these families or these women who have chosen life for these, for their children. And Mm -hmm. it's such a brave and amazing choice that they've made. Um, And so, I mean, I cannot even imagine (laughs) saying, I'm going to carry this child, and then I'm going to hand them over to someone else and possibly never see them again, you know, not knowing. And so I always wish that people could understand that side of it and not look at that in a negative light the way most a lot of people do
0: yes and that's that's such a journey as adoptive moms to get to that understanding and then mm-hmm. and then have to then turn and educate other people on it because mm-hmm. it's just it's so complicated um yeah but yeah absolutely so uh what is your favorite adoption resource and I have to say besides your book because <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: so true <laughs> um goodness I think that other families have been some of my favorite resource, just meeting other, other adoptive families and being able to hear their stories and connect with them has been just some of my, my favorite things um, to be able to learn from them. I know that's not necessarily a, a resource if you will, but um, being able to hear it, just that whole, you're not alone thing. Mm -hmm. is just so comforting and, and although, you know, your son is older, so it's probably great for him to know that he's not alone, but like, but Kendrick's young now, he doesn't even get the fact that he's only three. He doesn't get that he's adopted yet, but we're, we'll be getting there soon. And I want him to have those, those friends that he can talk to and that he can have those, you know, those conversations with, that he can have community with, that get it, that he could, cause he may not always feel comfortable coming to us with things. And I want him to have community around him that he can go to if he's struggling with something. And he wants to just talk something out with his friend that was also adopted. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's really just an important thing for, um, for them to have as well.
0: Yeah. And we actually we one of our three littles is adopted too. So he's actually just turned three in October. So he's similar to Kendrick's age. Um, He was sandwiched, right? So we have a we have a four year old and then we have a two year old and they're 16 okay. months apart. And I was 15 weeks pregnant with my daughter. And then someone Amazing. called us and was like, Oh, Hey, we have a baby. He was actually, By the, the way. <laughs> he was the half brother of our teen, And so we oh, literally cool. had a baby dropped on our doorstep um, a week later. Wow. And so now we have like triplets. Uh, so yeah, yep, I, that's I do. How my
1: girls are basically. So yeah. yeah, I get
0: it. I do understand Very though cool. the, um the, yeah. you know, trying to speak positivity about adoption, you know, we always celebrate forever day and he's white. So unless we tell him Uh he wouldn't theoretically know, Um, but just talking about like, Oh, you know, they have a, they have a little boy who has a forever day too. And just, Mm -hmm. even though he's too young to understand, just being able to, um, I don't know, to, to start using those words in a positive light while he's young so that it just, he never knows the difference. Yes. I love it. Um, and you would also, you'd be surprised how many people say that in answer to that question, just that other, other families or other adoptive moms are their favorite resource. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love the community aspect of, um, of adoption. Um, okay. And then last one, what is your biggest piece of advice or encouragement to adoptive families? If you had to just sum it all up.
1: Um, well, to adoptive families, I would say anybody, when I'm talking about adoption, I always say, do it or support someone that is, Mm -hmm. um, but to adoptive families, I would just say, gosh, you're doing a great job. Keep it up because it's hard and just do the hard work. And we, we all get it. And if you're struggling, you know, reach out to somebody that, that gets it. And that's, that's why it's so great to have a community of people that understand and that have been there and that are there because we all get it. We all get the hurt and the, um, sometimes the frustration and the, you know, all the things that come with it. And so it's wonderful and hard and glorious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. So where can we, there's like so many these like, okay. So where can we find you on social media? <laughs>
1: sure. So I'm on social media, mostly on Instagram, Facebook, um, Kara K dot James, um,
0: on both. I'm on Twitter
1: also no dot. Um, and then you can also follow Thrive Moms, and that's just at Thrive Moms on Instagram and Facebook. And how
0: can we be a part of Thrive Moms?
1: Um, you can, well, obviously just follow on social media. And then we also just launched a um, Facebook community group if you want to dive in a little deeper and connect with people more. And we are actually going through the book, Mom Up, right now as a online book club. Um, and then we'll just have a great place there to connect with
0: other people. What a cool thing that they get to do a book club with the author. Yeah. (laughs) And then, okay, where can we buy your book? Um, pretty much
1: anywhere. Amazon, uh, target.com, Barnes and Noble, books a million, all the places that have books pretty much
0: all the places. All the places. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm so excited that we got to chat. And I'm so excited uh, that your book is out. And congratulations, you wrote a whole book. That's Thank a big you. deal. Thank you. It's like
1: birthing another child.
0: Way I love harder. That. You actually posted that on Instagram. You're like, I gave birth to a child. <laughs> I
1: did. I did. It, it was the longest... I always joke that Kendrick was the hardest because it was the longest process, but this book actually was the longest process. (laughs) So it's my longest baby that took birth into the world. Mm,
0: Good stuff, girl. Well, thank you so much again. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It was so fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.